All right, hey team, hope you guys are doing well today. This is JB and Andy, and this is the What the F45 podcast. And it's been a difficult week. It's been a really, really tough week in Canada and Ontario specifically. Yeah, what the F? <laughs> For gym owners especially, and uh, like any human being, we... We had our moments this week where we, we've been solid throughout this whole thing, and I think we had a few moments where we said, I'm just going to be angry right now. I'm just going to let it out. I'm going to be human. I'm going to um, you know, vent a little bit about my frustrations. But then you, you give your head a shake, you wake up the next day, and you say, how can I redirect that energy, that anger that into something positive? And so we said, hey, it's about time to record a new podcast and as we went into an F45 challenge, a 45-day challenge, there was a lot of questions about something that we get asked about all the time. And what's interesting is that as healthcare professionals, I always say healthcare professionals, but I should say as wellness professionals, uh, running a fitness studio, it's easy to think, and, and you, you guys would probably appreciate this in any walk of life, you, you know, when you become an expert in your field, you, for whatever reason, have this fallacy or, or believe that everyone just understands your world, your language, your, uh, you know, everything that you do, it seems so easy to you, or it seems so common knowledge because you're immersed in it that everyone else should understand it. But quite honestly, it's another language to some people right? So the topic we're going to talk about today is protein. We're going to get very start at the very basic level, and then we're going to get into some actual implementation strategies around protein. Why do we talk about it uh, so often? Why is it so important? Andy's an expert here as well. We both continue, not only are we educated on protein and nutrition, but we continue to dig in and learn more because the beautiful thing about science is that it's ever evolving. And the more questions we ask, the more we realize in an exciting way, we don't know everything. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, we, you know, it's just such a fast and quickly evolving field. Uh, the science of hypertrophy, which is muscle growth, the science of nutrition, and specifically what we're learning about protein and how it interacts with other macronutrients. So with that being said, I will stop. And um, Andy, tell us a little bit about where should, where should we start? The most common questions we get about protein or maybe some definitions. How do we define what is protein? What makes it important? Yeah, like I feel like as much as we talk about this at nauseum sometimes, we do need to describe it in a way that you can understand and that you can help you you and your family understand because what I get asked a lot is, you know, why am I doing what am I, I'm doing? Why are we focusing on these macronutrients? I think I know why I need more protein, but I'm not completely sure. And my family's been asking me why I've been eating more like this, and I don't really know how to explain it. So we're trying to break it down into some really easily digestible terms so that it's, it's easy for you to understand exactly why and what you're doing on a molecular level and how you can break it, out, break, break it down for your family um, so they can really understand and support you. Cool. So I think that, I mean, no better than the kinesiology grad over here to describe exactly <laughs> what is protein. This is just hot potato tonight. It's like, hey, why don't you kick <laughs> us off? Well, why don't you go on your soapbox and ramble for a bit and not get anywhere? <laughs> just kidding. All right. So protein is one of the three macronutrients. When we talk about macronutrients, these are high, uh, there's the big three, right? And so all of these macronutrients can be broken down and provide the body energy, but only two of those macros. So if, if you look at the three macronutrients, there's protein, fat, and carbohydrates. Carbohydrates provides you with energy and some substance and 
your stool. Uh, really, it can provide you with fiber as well. Well, the actual carbohydrate molecule itself will only provide you with energy, but foods that are high in carbohydrate can give you fiber as well, like if you think about fruit. So I have to be careful in the way I describe that. Uh, fat, uh, of course, is a very energy-dense macronutrient, so we can take it in and we can use it for energy, but we also require fat for other essential processes and structures in our body. Think of like the cell wall. It has many lipids or fats within it that allow it to be malleable to receive um, things or to allow things to pass through it and things to leave the cell as one example of the things that fat do uh, fat does hormones are and cholesterol in the body these things are created by and using fat so very essential macronutrient compared with the carbohydrate that is largely energy protein like fat has a lot of and even more essential require uh, needs or sorry functions in the body so the one we're most common with is that we take in protein and we use or we break it down digest it into amino acids which we then absorb and use to facilitate protein synthesis which ultimately builds up structures within our body and we're most familiar with the skeletal muscle uh, but there's also other types of mus muscle like smooth muscle in your intestines as well as cardiac muscle around your heart so and then there's body the body's other structures as well and i mentioned cell walls of course there are proteins in the cell walls there are proteins that comprise hormones in our body we call them peptide hor uh hormones and they're they're messengers that send information around the body just like steroid hormones which are made up of fat so fat and protein become very interesting and, and important macronutrients beyond just the energy they provide the body we're going to speak about protein largely in its role as a structural um a molecule that provides structural building blocks today um but just recognize that it is important for more than just building skeletal muscle mass and some of the kind of tissues and, and connective tissues that surround or comprise our tendons, ligaments, and surround our, our, I always like to think about a sausage. You have the sheath around the sausage and the sausage is the contents are your skeletal muscle mass that contracts and around it is your fascia. All these things are made up of, of protein. So it's important that we have it in our diet. And there's actually, um, when we think about the amino acids, there's non-essential amino acids. So these are ones that our body can manufacture. And there's essential amino acids that we can only get from our diet. And so specifically, this is where protein becomes very important to think about in your diet. Just a walking sausage. That's all I can think of now. Um, so <laughs> I, I like to describe when clients are asking me when I'm doing nutrition coaching, why you're doing what you're doing beyond muscle building, because yes, that is a key component. And of course that's really important in regards to what we do and, and how passionate we are about moving our body at F45, um, and, and allowing ourselves to get stronger and, and the body composition that we desire. But beyond that, those amino acids are responsible for every structural, building block uh, that you need in your body. So whether that is your muscle tissue or your organ tissue uh, or your hair, your skin, your nails, like these are all important things that if you are lacking, if you are deficient in amino acids or deficient in the amount of protein that you need to be getting per day, you are, you're not able to regenerate and uh, repair any of these tissues, your bones as well, all of these things. And as we age, it becomes incredibly important to get even more protein because of this natural uh, decrease in our muscle tissue. And just overall, it's a lot harder to metabolize and, and assimilate all of these amino acids and it, and our body just doesn't get as efficient as we get older, unfortunately. So um, I, again, just look at it from a perspective of this is your this is your minimum amount. So when I talk about, you know, later on when I talk about how many grams each person should be intaking, 
you want to think if you're not even getting that minimum requirement on a daily basis that your body is deficient on the daily and it cannot function at its fullest potential. It cannot thrive. There's a minimum amount. And if you're barely hitting that, then we really need to evaluate how you're going to get in more. And that's kind of where we're going to describe it in a little bit more detail. So when you think about, I mentioned protein synthesis earlier, right? And this is constructing. So we take dietary protein in, we break it down to amino acids, and then we resynthesize into new proteins where they're required in the body, right? And your body is, as we've spoken about before, is a great resource manager. It's a great project manager. It knows kind of what the credit, if you know project management, I'm going to nerd out here for the business people for a second. But if you know project management, you know about the critical path. These are the things, the rate limiting steps, the things that have to be in order to move the project along. So if you think of your body that way, protein synthesis is going to prioritize where those amino acids are allocated, right? And so without that base level, um, there's always going to be something that that is missing. And oftentimes it's our skeletal muscle mass as we start to reproduce those peptide hormones I talked about and some of the other essential structures of the body. So if our goal is a lean body recomposition, and it doesn't always mean turning into Arnold Schwarzenegger, that's not what I'm talking about, though that is, it, it is true in that scenario. Um, but just becoming a leaner individual, burning body fat, building more muscle so that our engine is larger, so that we're burning more at rest, we do need the sufficient amount of protein. And so I want you to think about protein synthesis and building and protein breakdown. And there's a wave and your body's undulating between the two all day. If you want to build up muscle, you want to do everything you can to drive that wave up into the positive. So if, if you think of a graph with a line, a horizontal line, that wave goes up above the line and below the line. Above is protein synthesis, below is protein breakdown. Um, and so if we're spending more time in the breakdown because we're not taking enough dietary protein in or we're training too hard and not recovering, we're going to be in that negative area and our body's going to break down and get sick. If we're above it consistently, we're going to be building. So based on what your goals are, we're trying to manipulate that curve with our protein intake and our training in the gym. And I would say, not that that, I mean, that was an amazing explanation and I can visualize that. I can see the graph in my mind and I'm thinking, wow, on a daily basis and at any point in time, you know, you can think about, am I giving my body what it needs right now? What kind of workout did I just do? Um, have I been, you know, very active all day long and feeling like I am under fueled? Like those are the things and the, the cues that your body's going to be sending you. And in another way, you also have to imagine that, it's not only going to be affecting your ability to recover and feel stronger, but if you're not getting in enough dietary protein, that is why we look at or talk about the amino acids being beneficial for our muscles first, because that's the first place that your body's going to go to when it's not getting enough. Right. So just to be very clear, she's saying your body's going to borrow resources from the muscle bank mm -hmm. to liberate those amino acids and allocate them to things, like I said, peptide hormones, right? So yeah. that's very important for you guys to understand. Think about your training. And I read this analogy recently and I loved it. You're digging a hole. Your training is digging a hole and your recovery and your nutrition intake is filling that hole back up. If you're constantly digging that hole and you're not filling it back up ever or even getting it back to a flat surface, how could you ever expect to recom recompose your body? And I've also um, used the analogy of, of the scab that you keep picking mm. and it never has a chance to yeah. heal because you, yeah, you keep Actually, picking it. Who doesn't it. like picking a scab? Let's be real. <laughs> it takes a lot I longer to heal. haven't had a scab heal. in a while. Yeah. It takes a lot longer to heal though, yeah, right? scrape. <laughs> um, so to simplify this, think thinking it, it, let's say in regards to explaining this to friends and family who 
want to know why uh, have you changed your diet recently? Why are you focusing on getting more protein at every meal? Why are you weighing your food to make sure you're getting enough? You know, why is this so important? Uh, do you have an idea of what you would, would say first? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Andy, you and I can try and simplify the science for you know, the audience is not that our audience, because if you've been working at it at our 45, you're probably pretty sophisticated on the stuff after all the challenge talks we've been through, but we try and simplify it, right? We want to give you guys some quick one-liners to say to the family to get them off your back and get them on your team, right? So I think the first one is, you know, protein is an essential nutrient that, you know, you need to be healthy. I think it's just a fundamental and simple as we could put it. It's uh, an essential molecule in our body that we need to build up the structures of our body. And with all the training I'm doing, I need to support that training. Mm -hmm. um, hey, family, did you know that people who need the most protein are the elderly and folks who are interested in weight loss? So a funny stat for you guys, and, and the research indicates this. When you look at someone who's trying to add a lot of muscle versus someone who's trying to maintain muscle, lose body fat, or even lose weight, um, and maybe even lose some muscle, the people in the latter camp need more protein in their diet than the, than the bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. Funny, right? And you know, the studies show this again and again. If you are going in a calorie-restricted diet, you need more protein per pound of body weight than someone who's in a calorie surplus building up their body. Let that sink in. Yeah, and there's actually a couple of reasons for that. So um, like we said, if we don't provide the body with enough of those amino acids on the daily, it's going to borrow from somewhere. And most of the time, it's your muscle tissue because it doesn't think that that's that important. Um, so of course, as we're in a deficit, when we're eating lower amount of calories than we're than we're expending on the daily then your body's in a catabolic breakdown state it's breaking all over down because it wants to break down fat but at the same time if it's not getting its amino acids it's going to break down muscle too right. so that's why it's even more important to eat more protein and the second reason is that there's actually a thermic effect of food um related to eating and digesting protein. Mm. It takes more calories to digest and break it down than it does any than other foods. And fiber as well is also another one that has a high thermic effect of food. Um, so you actually are burning more calories just by eating it because it's, you know, it, it costs so much to, to break it down. Yeah, think about that for a minute because remember we were talking, well, we talked about this idea of NEAT, right? Non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Thermogenesis. Why can't thermogenesis. I say that right? Thermogenesis makes no sense. Anyways, thermogenesis. That has to be how you say that. But anyways, the stuff we do. So we work out in the gym. We have our vital functions that consume calories. We think all day that our brain uses a lot of calories. But then we also have reactions in our body, cellular reactions, like metabolic reactions that release heat, release energy, and consume energy. And that's what Andy's talking about. When she says the thermic or heat releasing uh, effect of different foods, different macronutrients you take in have different thermic effects. And protein is the highest, meaning you're burning calories, metabolizing protein. So not only are you doing that and getting that thermic effect of food, but the other thing about having protein with your meals is it has a satiety, it gives you a higher rate of satiety or a feeling of satiety, so fullness, so you're not going to overeat. And it actually will lower the blood sugar response when you couple protein with fat and carbohydrate in your diet. So these are all things that are going to assist you on your weight loss journey, but that you can easily explain to the family to get on your team. Yeah, I mean, a simple hack for snacks and, you know, in the past year, I think... I mean, snacks have always been a thing, but they're more a thing now because of being at home more often and thinking you're hungry when you're not and, you know, the fridge is just so close to you. Um, so often snacks we gravitate towards are prepackaged really quick um, and 
you know, usually a carb or fat source or both. Um, cause usually delicious things are carbs and fat. <laughs> so except um, Daryl's bars. Oh, I did it again. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> They're so good. Um, but and those are snacks to us, unfortunately, and we have them at the rate of snacks, not as a meal replacement or something. But uh, th- the first place I look at to help people with snacks is not, oh, no snacking for you anymore or completely take the things out that you're snacking on, but can we add more protein to it? And this really gets everyone's you know, brain thinking, how can I add more protein to this random snack that I was eating? Like some people, you know, they already thought that what they were having, like one of my clients was dipping um, crackers into hummus being like, well, that's a high protein snack. And hummus is not particularly high in protein. Something is high in protein. When you look at all three of the macronutrients on the back of the label, if protein is the highest macronutrient, then it's high in protein. But if there's also something that's, you know, very high as well, like if it's just as equally high in fat, you also have to consider that from a caloric perspective. Mm -hmm. So it's very, I know that sometimes looking at macronutrients on the back of the labels can be very confusing and you're wondering, I don't know if this is healthy or not. Just understand that we're looking for whatever the highest number on the back of the facts say and then go based off of that and that is a high protein source but if it is equally high in fat and protein like cheese i wouldn't consider that necessarily a high protein source Um, it really depends on how much you're having so look for something that is largely just high in protein that would be obviously animal meats and animal products like greek yogurt and cottage cheese eggs and um what else we got tuna like things that are easy to grab especially for snacks and on the go um things that are in your fridge really easily obviously whey protein and then there are specific types of nuts and seeds that are higher in protein than others and you can incorporate them in smaller amounts as well but really try to understand what are the highest protein sources that i can add to my meals Mm -hmm. on the daily to make it even easier to hit these targets we continue to learn that variety in protein is important so whether you're first you have a whey shake and then later on Maybe you have some vegan sources of protein. Uh, you're combining your rice and your beans, right? Just mixing it up. Apparently, this we're learning is is very important for the body. We do add a disclaimer to that that the science consistently shows that it's important to get your essential amino acids. And when we think of pure vegan sources, like one, like let's just say beans on their own, rice on its own, uh, quinoa on its own. Uh, quinoa might be the exception, right? Where there's a full amino acid profile. Um, but it comes with, you know five times the amount of carbohydrates as Correct, a lean exactly. source of protein. What's the lesser of two evils and what's your training goal, right? Or your your uh, recomposition goal or, or lifestyle goal. But anyhow, one of the good hacks for vegans is to invest in essential amino acids. So you can get these as a drink and you can sip on these throughout the day to ensure that you guys are getting your essential aminos. And They're so great- going to want leucine too, right? Well, I'll talk about leucine in just a minute. Uh, mm-hmm. It's one of the many essential amino acids, but if you want them all together and they're pure form, you can invest in essential amino acids. A great source for these types of things is Canadian protein for my Canadians who are listening. Uh, mm-hmm. So we love them for their New Zealand whey protein. They're very clean, uh, minimal ingredients. Andy and I also use essential aminos when we're fasting and we're just kind of sipping on proteins to keep, because we're always thinking, how do we keep that protein synthesis up, but going back to that graph, how do I keep that wave in the positive area so that we're in that building state? Because right now we're trying to build lean muscle, right? So that's what we're thinking about. But even if you're not in that zone and you're even in a weight loss zone and you're, especially if you're vegan, you want to be thinking about getting that full amino acid profile. So essential aminos, a great hack. Now you mentioned leucine. 
Leucine is one of the branch chain amino acids that is responsible for turning on protein synthesis and muscle building. So not so much that it's being uh, assimilated into, into muscle, but it gets the muscle building machinery going in your body. So as you're working out and sort of sipping on leucine before your workout, maybe after your workout, it's really enhancing the protein synthesis stimulus. So I like to take it around my workouts, um, about th- uh, three uh, 3,000 milligrams to 4,000 milligrams for me, for my size. Um, but there's been a lot of great research that has shown that supplementing with leucine and, and that leucine as a branch chain amino acid is one of the best anabolic muscle building uh, amino acids that you need for that muscle building machinery. Yeah, it's one of the most highly studied next to creatine as far as being um, ef- really efficient in producing muscle hypertrophy, right? Yeah, I, I would say that you know a lot of the studies that I've read um, – there's always leucine involved as supplementation. They're ensuring they're getting leucine into the subjects to ensure that they're maximizing protein synthesis, right? So creatine's different. That's an energy source that allows you to right. push beyond failure in many cases. It volumizes the cell and gives you some of the, the base ingredients to resynthesize ATP in the muscle. I'm getting very scientific now. But creatine <laughs> and caffeine. Us, <laughs> yeah, creatine and caffeine are the most studied supplements with the highest efficacy for strength training specifically. So, and we have to remember producing strength is, is really stimulating the nervous system to activate the muscle. So the, my muscle and neuromuscular connections, but, and, and their ability to innervate as many muscle fibers as you can to produce force, but it's also the ability to accrue muscle mass to have more contractile and thicker contractile tissue. So it's a function of those two things. So that's why creatine and caffeine are so important. Leucine, as far as branch chain amino acids go, has been correlated with an increase in protein synthesis. And so um, the one thing and why I keep emphasizing the efficacy here is because branch chain amino acids as a supplement, uh, and this is going to sound confusing, there's the jury's still out as to how effective they are. They taste great. They're very expensive. Um, but are they leading to actual big gains uh, to be determined? Mm-hmm. So we'll keep researching that and we'll, we'll get back to you. Sorry to go on this tangent about leucine and branched chain amino acids, but uh, let's take it back to the basics a little bit. How much protein do you need? Yeah. And I think that it's also, uh, it's a great question. How much is too much? Cause I get asked this a lot. Um, a lot of my clients actually more often than not, it's not even just about, about how much is too much. They understand the grams and the amount that they need to thrive, not just be alive, but then I have them my second or third session with them and, and then they're like, is it okay if I have like two protein shakes a day? Mm. And it always kind of like, for a second, I totally understand why they're asking because I also know we're going to talk about maybe a specific study about the kidneys, the one that came out yeah. of McMaster it, and you know, why and people goes, are confused. It, it goes back to the language though, right? Like people don't always live and breathe this. They come to the gym, they do their best and they try and live a healthy lifestyle mm-hmm. and we're all trying to get better. You and I live in this world. We speak it every day, right? So for us, it kind of seems like, well, of course you can have two. Yeah. For you guys, we totally respect and appreciate why people just embarking on this journey or trying to take it to the next level might, might find that weird. Yeah, and I think that but my segue was leading into um, some of the things that we've heard in the media. And honestly, nutrition is one of those things that it, it is ever-changing. There's a lot of science. Um, you know, there's a lot of studies. There's a lot of things to, to show you that one thing, like butter, one second it's good for you, the next second it's bad for you. Depending on the context and how you're looking at exactly. it. Exactly. And there's always so many ways to skin the cat. So... I think that it really comes down to understanding the nutrient value of the foods and was it created like margarine was? 
Um, or is it a natural food source? To me, I would way prefer butter over margarine because of that. And there are vitamins and nutrients and, mm-hmm. and minerals that come along with grass-fed butter. Um, so rather, rather than looking at it as it's clearly the cholesterol causing uh, heart attack causing um, mm-hmm. food. Um, let's look at it at a, at a, at a different level. Well, but so all, not all that bad. Let's exactly. not go there. Let's That's go for another there, podcast. But, um, so why is it that people believe, first of all, that we can intake too much protein and why it would impact our kidneys? Do you have an idea? Is that a question? That's a question. Um, <laughs> so there is, I think there's some, unco- like when we look at studies, we, what we try and do not that I'm a scientist, but as I review these studies and worked, um, you know, with professors in the past and in the lab, you're trying to look for correlations. You're trying to look for consistency. If we have an experiment that tells us one thing, we try and do repeat the experiment over and over again by manipulating different controls. And there hasn't been studies that have, you know, consistently shown that there's been any impact on the kidneys, uh, when we take in too much protein. Now the fear, and I don't know if this is just an old wives tale or what the situation is. Um, but if you do have kidney problems, um, filter because the kidneys are filters, right? Of, of liquids we take into the body, and they they detoxify the body like the liver does in its own right. So the fear was if you're having really high amounts of protein, that it's going to put a strain on the kidneys. So the recommendation is, and you know, full disclaimer, Andy and I are not medical professionals, right? But when we review the literature, what it's showing is that if you have kidney issues, you should not be taking obscenely amount high amounts of protein, which would probably be north of three grams, three and a half grams of protein per pound of body weight. Which good luck trying to take all that in. Uh, I don't even think I could achieve that unless it was Super Bowl Sunday. And I was eating a ton of chicken wings, but um, <laughs> that's besides the point. So there is no concern for the general population around too much protein. Um, the problem is what we're seeing is you're, you're not getting enough protein. And so the recommendation, the bare minimum. So we have to remember there's RDAs, which is the recommended daily amount where the government, uh, based on usually dated data, um, tells us this is what you need to avoid disease. Like and, some of and, it as old as illness. 1940s. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas... You know, when we talk about thriving, which I love when you talk about that because it's true, bare minimum, we need to be taking in at least 0.8 grams per pound, or if you want to look at it differently, a gram per pound lean body mass, pound of lean body mass. So when we do your in-body scan in the studio, it'll say this is your lean body mass, and you need to at least be shooting for, so if you have 100, 180 pounds of lean body mass, at least 180 grams, more likely a, pound, a gram and a half per pound if you really want to knock it out of the park. Yeah, I mean, it's it's about experimentation there and using things like macro tracking apps is the only way you're really going to know. And mm. that's why it's so, so informative to test it out, try that out for a couple of days. Um, but honestly, if you really want to learn a ton about the food and the choices that you've been making and, and maybe what's potentially holding you back, I highly recommend tracking your macros for anywhere for, from four weeks to six months honestly and you know what guys i'm tired of people saying that that's weird (laughs) (laughs) if you want if you are committed to your transformation um go all in and start looking at the numbers if that's not for you i totally respect you but it's really difficult to make a calculated transformation without at least learning what your current baseline looks like. Now, we talk a lot about blood testing. We won't go there right now. That's not for this podcast. But if you're, we're talking macronutrients, do yourself a favor and track for a bit. Um, and we can understand why those around you and family and members might say, well, that's really weird. That's really intense that you're tracking all your food. No, of course it is. Because for 25 years, for 30 years, you haven't done that. And now you're introducing something new. 
food is very emotional when I meet, or sorry, um, it's tied to the family unit. Mm-hmm. We um, really enjoy meals together. It's part of our daily routine. And so when we start doing something like tracking it, it almost seems like this bad thing, but it's not. So just as it's not weird for people to look at that and be confused by it, it's not weird for you to prioritize it and track it. And so if you don't if you don't measure it, you can't manage it, right? And and so I have people come and they'll do a body scan. They're like, wow, you know, I lost like all this, I lost like three pounds of muscle and three pounds of fat. Like I'm concerned about the muscle. Well, how much protein are you having? 40 grams a day. Okay. Like, of course you're going to be losing muscle. You need to be replacing that protein. Cause like I said, in the beginning, you're digging a hole. So th- these are, you know, this, it's always, I see like, I, if I see 10 people and we do in-body scans, seven of them are under eating protein under, you know, taking too little protein in. Mm-hmm. Everybody's always shocked at the amount that we suggest, and, and I mean, it usually sounds larger than it actually is. If you really buckle down and understand how much that is, it's really just decent portion sizes of protein in every single meal. There shouldn't be a point in time that you are having a meal that is just carbs and fat, or like you know, a minuscule amount of protein, because obviously some grains have like four grams of protein. Like that's not having protein with your meal. You know, you're, you should be shooting for a minimum of like minimum for a meal, depending on the person, I'd say 25 to 50 grams of protein. And you can have those upper thresholds of higher amounts of protein in one sitting. And in my mind, I really don't understand thinking that you can't have more than that in one sitting when if you're the type of person who only eats two large meals a day, maybe you have a snack in between that because there are some people, everyone's lifestyles and schedules are different. How else are you going to get that amount of protein right. in? Let's pump the brakes there for a minute and slow down before we go, slow down to go fast, as I like to say. So yeah. there's been a lot of um, kind of conflicting information about how much protein one can absorb in one sitting. And as we've been digging further into the science and listening to the experts, what we're coming to realize is it's sure, uh, like protein, it's not like... <laughs> When you take protein in, it's not like you digest it for 30 minutes and then it stops. Protein enters your stomach and then your stomach slowly pushes, digests that protein using um, the pepsin in your stomach and the, in the digestive enzymes and the you know, acidic environment, the HCL in your stomach, it breaks the stomach acids, it churns, it breaks everything down and it slowly starts emptying into your small intestine. Okay. So if you put a lot of protein in there, that's fine. Your body's just going to take its time and you're going to feel really full and, sure. <laughs> and it's going to push, it's going to allow that protein to slowly enter the small intestine, right? It's not like oh, we've had our 30 grams of protein and we're cutting it off and the rest just evaporates, right? Mm-hmm. So what Andy's trying to say is, yeah, if you're one of those intermittent fasters or you have a big meal of protein, you're going to eventually work through it all. It's just going to take some time and you're going to feel really uncomfortable, but it doesn't mean that if you have 50 grams, you're wasting 20 of it because you're as a human can only digest a maximum of 30 grams. There is a rate limiting there are some rate limiting steps there so as you take in all that protein it'll just sit there like a gas tank until your body works through it so i wanted to slow down for that because Mm -hmm. i think that gets misconceived a lot yeah yeah because you hear things and and honestly sometimes people say i don't know why but i thought i heard something about this and honestly it could be something you heard on the news or read an article once in cosmopolitan or men's health or something and then it just stuck with you and honestly science is ever evolving so don't assume that you know and it's great that you ask and ask your wellness professionals because things like this do change a lot and they they, the emerging science will will prove to us that we can do xyz and and and, you know get the result that we're after so um let's just say one more thing on that because i'm on the analogy train yeah think of your stomach like an hourglass right? When it comes to protein, you've got a lot of sand in there and it's trickling down, right? And so when people say, well, you can only absorb so much protein 
per unit time, right? Doesn't mean that you're wasting the protein that's sitting in there. That sand is just going through the hourglass into the small intestine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I honestly don't even know where I heard it, but I know I heard that yeah, you so can only I. absorb 30 grams of protein well, we looked at, at a time. It in the lab, we looked at it in the lab, not yeah. my lab. I don't have a lab. But <laughs> the folks who, who do this stuff, the exercise physiologists and the scientists looked at this and they continue to look at it and they're investigating. But what we're seeing is that, yes, this protein, and if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. It just doesn't evaporate. It gets broken down slowly and passes through at a rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All so right. So uh, what I'd like to do right now, actually, is just give some people some strategies. So let's just break down some foods, like, and, and how much protein is in that, just so people can visualize it. So I'll give mm-hmm. you. The, I'll start. Protein shake, usually thirty grams of protein in a protein shake. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're looking at grams of a chicken breast, I'd say on average about 140 grams of chicken breast will provide you with 30 to 40 grams of protein. And how big is that? Palm your hand or bigger? I think I'd say it's like, I mean, it's, it's as long as my hand, but Mm -hmm. I have a, I have long fingers. (laughs) So, um, I'd say it's probably two times the amount of your palm to be honest. So it's a big piece of chicken for most people. That's a lot of chicken. Yeah. So most of the time, if there's just sprinkles of cubes of chicken on your Wendy's salad, Probably not enough protein. Right, maybe 100 grams. And then when we think of eggs, 5 grams per egg? There's about 5 to 6. If it's an extra large egg, it will be 6 grams of protein per egg. Daryl's Um, bar, 22. Daryl's bar, 22. Right, so you you start adding these up. You're like, okay, what's my strategy for the day? Peanut butter, not as high as you think. Everyone thinks that's a protein source. So a tablespoon has how much? A tablespoon has about 4 grams of of, um, protein, bit 2 to 4, and it's got about 9 grams of fat. So it's a it's a fat. Do you know source. some of the vegan sources? I don't know them off by heart, but like chickpeas. If you had a cup of chickpeas, do you know with certainty? Mm, that I don't know per gram. Maybe you could look it up on your app while we continue <laughs> to rip through these, just for the vegans. But I, I know just want to put things in context. And absolutely. Quinoa. Like I w- I would also say that like uh, tofu is one of the highest um, highest in protein. Like for a full brick of of tofu of hard um, firm tofu, half of the brick is like forty grams of protein. Wow. Those things are really high in protein. That's amazing. So again, mixing it up and we've eaten tofu like several times. I mean, we I should get tofu. back into that. We don't eat it that often, but we I absolutely it love it. Because again, that variety in the protein source. I buy only non-GMO organic and I, I highly advise the same of all of you just because soy is a highly processed and genetic, genetically modified uh, bean. So you just want to be mindful of those things because mm-hmm. I think, you know, as much as somebody might argue, oh, you know, how much is that really going to affect us over the course of our lifespan? Maybe it's only one or 2%, but you know how many years that could equal, mm-hmm. you know, when you're, when you're getting to that age and you're wishing that you had one extra, two extra years, like honestly, Good like all of those things add up. And yeah, I think those things are important. Yeah. I think, you know, we, like we like to talk about or, or I heard someone say so perfectly recently was you're not going to ruin your recomposition plan or your health plan by having one treat meal you're not going to get incredibly jacked or or fit or lean from one amazing workout it's about how things add up over time in the averages right so while andy's looking that up one thing i wanted to speak about and we talked about this for our challengers recently is this idea of a food agenda so we talked about tracking macros the best way to be successful on a plan like this just like when you plan out your business day or your work day you plan out your food day and if we think about what's most important as thriving human beings, it really is our recovery, our nutrition, our breathing, uh, our movement. These are the things that really provide the foundation to be a high performer in life, right? So it would make sense then, based on that logic, based on the hierarchy of one's needs with physiological being at the foundation of that triangle, 
that we do plan our food agenda and we say, okay, so if I'm having two protein shakes at 60 and I'm 180 pounds of lean body mass, my target's one gram per pound. That is one third of my need. Now, where else am I going to get it? Well, I'm going to have a chicken breast for dinner. Okay, that's 30. Now I've got 90. I'm halfway there. Okay, Daryl's bar for a snack. Okay, now I'm at 110. I'm going to have two eggs for another snack. 120. I literally calculate this in my head most days, even though I do use a tracker. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I can roughly estimate where I'm at now because I've done this so many times. And that's again, where the power comes in tracking. And as I'm talking about these things, I'm getting full. I'm like, where are we gonna find it? But you know what the beautiful thing about that is? It means I'm not going to reach for the crispy mini rice cakes. It means I'm not going to have carbs on their own because I'm full. I'm full right now. Right. And I haven't even hit my full caloric macros for the day. I've got work to do still as I sit here. Um, but I know that I've hit my protein targets. Protein has that satiety effect on the body. It's a beautiful thing for those who are looking to lose weight and in the bad kind of weight or the less desirable kind of weight. Let me say that more nicely. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Weight that doesn't serve us. Right. So just as like a quick Google amount, just because I personally do not do well with beans. So sorry guys, I do not know their macros off by heart. Um, but chickpeas for one cup has 14 grams of protein. That's a lot of chickpeas. That would make you, make you two, wouldn't it? 100 grams. Yeah, that would definitely. Well, least. that's definitely my, that's not my problem. Um, uh, 44 grams of carbs. So this is a carb source, being that it is largely highest in carbs more than anything that's else. That's a big shocker, right? Because it's tough for the vegans, right? Because we totally respect and appreciate um, whether why, like from a metabolic standpoint, why you're there digestively, if that works for you. There is a, a spectrum of people who do do better on vegan diets or maybe... You're trying to work toward being alkaline and it's a health reason or maybe it's an ethical reason, right? But, you know, we do, despite our, you know, ethical motivations, we still need to provide the body with the nutrients that it needs to thrive, right? So when we start saying, okay, I'm going to get 180 grams of protein through chickpeas, now how much carbs have you had and, and does your digestion appreciate that? Yes, it is. It is more challenging. I'm not going to lie. And sometimes you need to even combine a couple different types of sources of, of grains and and beans to get the level of amino acids to get a full complete amino acid aside from quinoa that is i believe a complete protein as far as amino acid structure it is also still just as high um, if not higher in carbohydrates per cup but um also i think it's one of the easiest digested grains of all so it's still one of your best options to incorporate in your diet if you are vegan um and what's important here I'm trying to get all my analogies out today because I've been hearing so many zingers lately and they're so like, they'll just sit with you and you're like, oh yeah, that thing, right? And so there are no good and bad foods. There's just putting good and there's just putting food, like the food isn't bad, You but you can put a food in a bad physiology or physiology that's not prime for that food, which is either driven by your genes or the current state of your microbiome or whatever else, right? Um, and so we really need to consider that because, you know, I don't do well with, or, or that doesn't agree with me or that's a bad food. Well, no, it's just that it doesn't work in your physiology. So we need to sort our physiology out and really respect and appreciate our physiology. And, and it's not what, um, you take in, even if you take 180 grams of protein in, it's what you do with it, how you absorb it, how you metabolize it when it gets in your body. Absolutely. I think, um, I mean, now we can, we, we, we did talk a little bit about how much do I need or how much does the average person need and male and female, by the way, yeah, male and female, like the easiest target, honestly, just don't forget this is one gram per pound per pound of your current body weight. It's the easiest way to go about it. Yes. We could look at lean, lean body mass. Well, if, if one is 300 pounds and they have 150 pounds of body fat, um, my advice would be 150 to 160 grams of protein, maybe 170 because we're thinking about your lean mass, but assuming 
an average body fat, um, body fat mass. Yeah. Just go for a pound per body weight. Yeah, I mean, and more or a often, gram per body pound. More sorry. often than not, you're. It's going to be the easiest way for weight loss when you are, you know, in the those upper ranges. Anyways, like incorporating more protein is one of the best things you can do, um, just to better your body composition overall. And and time and time again, I have a client right now who, um, we worked closely together for eight weeks, and um, she learned a lot about the types of foods that were holding her back from feeling at her best and and feeling bloated. Chickpeas being one of them. And she thought that that was just life eh? she's like well this is just normal this is just who i am yeah and, and sometimes we don't even realize i sure you and i don't even realize as optimized as we think we are mm-hmm. um how, how much good better it can be. how much better it could actually <laughs> it's be not supposed to be you don't, i'm not supposed to be gassy all the time yeah like if you're gassy after every single dinner all night long like that's an issue that's a digestive issue yep. it doesn't mean that just because you're not constipated all the time or if you're, you're going to the bathroom several times a day that you have a digestive issue there's so many things that can come into play about optimal digestion one of the things is definitely take a look at your poop because it, <laughs> it's telling you a story i don't like to talk about that with you but I mean, you can talk to them about it i'll just plug my ears i talk about poop with every single one of my <laughs> clients so nobody has to be shy um but yeah, so I'd say just lastly that if that if there's one thing you remember today, it is that's the amount of protein that you're going to need right now to start making those those good changes in the body. So that's you said you know, all you can picture is a sausage walking down the street. All you can picture is you inspecting your poop now. Uh, yeah, I'm tapped out of the podcast. Basically, just like bent over, <laughs> going, "What's going on in there?" Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like to get real here, guys. Uh, okay, so lastly, well, not lastly, but one of the last points on sort of the topic of how much protein, what is it doing, how do I explain it to my friends and family, but how do I implement this um, and see results? Well, the only way that's going to happen is, what well, one, you need to track it for a, a period of time to understand that now I can estimate in, in my mind how much I get in even a day. Even if you just track protein, like I don't even care if you get like an Apple note or an Evernote going and you're like, okay, I had a shake, 130 grams. You do that day by day or on a calendar. Like I'd rather you use what I use, my net diary or avatar or my fitness, my fitness pal. pal. Yeah. But if you can't even do that, then just focus on protein for now. Do that for us. You could for write, yourself. you could go the old school bodybuilder way and you could write it down. Yeah, they Frank used Zane. to calculate their calories by writing everything down. So if they can do it, we can do it. Um, what I will say is tracking just your protein is not as easy because there are things that you don't know that have some protein in it and they add yeah. up, right? So I always say like, okay, this is, this is what I've accumulated, what I know has high protein, mm-hmm. but let's say that bread that I had and this that I had and this that I had had like five, you know, sneaky grams here, five sneaky grams there. Right. I probably can account for an extra 10 grams from That's those sources. That's an easy too. way to get your protein up over the day because it's, you know, we have to account for about like 10% to 15% of our protein will not be purposeful mm-hmm. it'll just come alongside those other foods we have yeah broccoli so, whatever kale like oh anything. yeah broccoli is actually pretty high too because i was to eat very large amounts of it but um so not only just tracking it but being consistent and i cannot cannot say this enough right because Averages. as much as it's you know easy for some people it's sh- it's eye-opening for everyone when you really have to understand how much you need and how how you're going to implement that into your daily lifestyle. It's not something you do for a couple of days and you try to figure it out or if it's just for a quick weight loss thing for 
10 days to two weeks and you're trying to shred like this is a lifestyle change that everybody needs to implement and the only way you can do that is if you are closely tracking how much you're getting per day and you are actually hitting those targets i have clients especially when you're training in the gym like even if you're not but especially if you're working out yeah and you're training like you're if you want to see results like this is bar none like there's nothing more important people always want the magic fix right well firstly there is no magic fix because guess what the faster you get that fix the faster you can lose it and you may be worse off and we see this with bodybuilders who are in their first competitions and they don't have a good uh go back to normal strategy just to simplify the language Mm -hmm. and you know their hormones are a little messed up from their little cuts and they end up putting like 40 pounds of body fat fat for too long yeah it's hard and their body the thrifty gene just kicks in and they add a ton of pack on a ton of fat right so um, people want quick fixes and sorry, there are none, but I will say this for anyone who's done a challenge with us, who's had profound results, male or female, one of the biggest variables that we influence that we see leads to direct results is increasing protein intake. Every single time Despite on those age, scans, Regardless guys, of age. Like, every single time when somebody's like, they they lose um, a good amount of weight or their body composition, their recomp is insane and their muscle goes way up. They went down in body fat. Maybe their weight didn't change they drastically. They look fantastic. But they look amazing. Every time we're like, wow, what did you do? Your muscle just mass. Just up my protein. Oh, just up my protein. Every single time. And, and look, we don't need a lab to to prove that i mean maybe we should be taking like every single time that that happens like some data like collection and like some video documentation Mm -hmm. so you guys truly believe us but every single time we're in there doing those body scans and the after scans every time and we know it works so consistency and i still have clients come to me after a couple weeks of working together and still struggling to hit that target if you can start to say there is nothing that's going to stand in my way and figuring out how to hit that target from after week one, you're going to see so much better results rather than just being like, oh, I still can't figure out. It's really not that complicated. If you like something that has high, that has protein in it, have more of that and make sure you hang, include that in more of your meals. Yeah. And if you guys don't know where to get protein, uh, totally fine. We get it. Like not everyone buys protein powder. Again, going back to that language thing from the beginning. I recommend just going Canadian protein. We sell it in the studio. So if you're a member of ours, that's fine. Come on in and get it from us. We sell it for the same price. It's on the website. We have vegan and Canadian protein has vegan. Is it Canada or Canadian protein? Canadian. Yeah. Canadianprotein.com. They don't have a, as far as I know, you can't buy that in stores. I get like confused with Canada goose, Canadian goose, I call it. Right. And so I always get mixed up with Canada protein. Anyways. (laughs) So another tangent. Love it. Um, So guys, get on Canada Canadian protein mm-hmm. and you can look up the leucine there. You can look at the ESSA or the ESA essential amino acids. EAAs. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, um, you can look up your, all your different types of vegan protein, which, you know, for as far as vegan proteins go, our, our vegans have told us and vegetarians have told us that they like the protein. Yeah. They say it's really as good. As far as those I, types of I proteins go. I couldn't speak to it. I haven't tried it to be honest. I have yeah. had, um, vegan proteins in the past and, and the only one that I can um, vouch for that I like texture wise was genuine health uh, no, fermented vegan proteins. It was, it, was, it was pretty good. It was, it, it definitely wasn't as grainy as some. Um, and, and I just heard some interesting um, studies on a new type of vegan protein. I'm sure very hard to come by because it's been newly studied mm. having very high amounts of leucine in it. What um, is that? Potato. Oh, potato mm. protein obviously it's not don't think of it actually tasting like potato these are extracts these are these are protein amino acid extracts that they're taking out of protein uh, cool. potato um so yeah really interesting if you if you can find that if you can get your hands on it let me know because i think that's really interesting and i'd want to know what the texture is mm. like potato vodka is good so yeah 
Um, but Canadian protein, really, really great. Make sure that you are getting the high quality grass fed yeah. New Zealand way. And I highly recommend getting the one with Stevia. They do not have as many funky flavors with the one with Stevia. I know that's disappointing, but go with the basics, get chocolate and vanilla and get creative with your smoothies and things like that at home. You can get a flavored one here and there and, and have some fun with it. Um, but just generally know that those ones, because they're trying to mimic some other fun flavors, sometimes they use more things like sucralose or other yeah. additives. So I'm just going to take a minute to kind of run down different types of protein powders just for people because they might get confused when they go out there. So there's your vegan protein powders, which are usually comprised of pea protein, um, brown rice, hemp. I think there's some hemp proteins in it as well. Yeah. Um, so they're usually a blend of different things that they're combining to get the complete amino acid profile. One of the challenges to vegan proteins that's always being studied in the lab is how bioavailable those amino acids are. Can you digest them properly, break them up, and then reassimilate them into the body? This is the thing. Because remember, it goes back to what I said. It doesn't matter what you take in. It matters what you absorb and then what you can do with it. So are they bioavailable? Can they be digested, right? That is the big question and challenge to vegan sources of protein. Um, let's move on. Whey protein. Whey protein has been shown time and time again to be the most uh, easily digestible, fastest digestible protein that you can complete protein source it's an animal protein it comes from it's a dairy protein uh, it is processed such that so that they take out a lot of the stuff in dairy that is upsetting to people there's two different types that we come across usually which are concentrate and isolate you've probably seen those names and you probably pick both up in the store and you're confused do i need this isolate thing when i started getting into strength training back in the day we used to think that isolate was only for after your workout and any other time you had regular protein and the reason we thought that was because of how f quickly you could digest whey, uh, whey isolate, and that's not untrue. But the real difference between the two is that there's less processing that happens with whey concentrate. So if you think about this stuff, they're processing it, they're taking out sugar, uh, some of the milk sugars and, and different types of things that you find in a, in a whole milk protein to get to the isolate state. But if they stop that journey before getting to isolate, you have concentrate, and it has some of the uh, lactose in it still, that milk sugar that can be upsetting to people. So if you are lactose intolerant, you probably do better on an isolate if you can do whey protein at all. Um, I'm going to keep moving on unless you have something to add there, Andy. looks like there's something on the tip of your tongue. No. Okay. Um, collagen protein. So collagen protein, uh, we're continuing to learn about this. This is not the type of protein that you build into contractile muscle, muscle tissue that allows you to produce force, so your skeletal muscle mass. This is the protein that we break up and utilize for building cartilage, for building ligaments, tendons, that fascia that surrounds your muscle, uh, hair, skin, nails, that structural protein collagen. Um, so a lot, this has been very popular in people's diet. It also is very high in lysine, which, uh, they say we don't get from our, our, our diets as much anymore, simply because animal, the animal meats that we eat are particularly muscle meats. We're not eating the whole animal anymore. Thus we're not getting enough collagen. So this is one of the big discoveries of the last 10 years. So that's what collagen does. And I'll usually supplement with collagen every day because I do want to make sure I'm getting that structural protein in my diet as well. Um, casein is another type of milk protein. Casein has always been dubbed the slower breakdown uh, protein. When you take casein in, it kind of forms a bit of a ball in your stomach and it really breaks down slowly um, and is released slowly. And the idea that people used to think was, well, take casein before you go to bed and then it'll slowly release overnight, thus keeping that protein metabolism up as you're sleeping. Right. Um, 
I don't know if that's a great idea because I kind of <laughs> want my blood、uh, in my brain when I'm sleeping, not in my gut digesting. So, to、mm-hmm. each their own,、um, depending on what、that、your goals are. That's like old 90s bro sign to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think the jury's still out,、uh, and you could argue it many different ways. But me personally, I don't do that. I don't even have casein in the house. I don't think I've ever finished a bag of casein. It's a little nasty as far as I'm concerned. It's a lot、concerned. easier to bake with if you、mm. are doing high protein baking. It coagulates a bit better, I think. Yeah, because if you're baking with whey isolate, so if you have whey protein isolate powder, at Home, and you've ever tried to bake with it, you probably made something that was as hard as a rock or as dry as like <laughs> a ball of lint. Yeah,、um, like the cookies, I guess. Yeah.、Right、no, so I always try to add even just the tiniest bit, and it always kind of messes it up. I'm like, okay, I give up.、Um, you can, there are some brands out there that are already pre mixed for you, will work really well, but just you know, be mindful. Egg whites are probably some of the easiest way, and Greek yogurt、uh, to add.、Great. You can get egg white protein too,、um, powder,、yeah. and you can get cricket, I think. Protein powder, which is、cricket. new. I haven't yeah, tried that yet. I don't、I'm、know if that's、yet. still a thing anymore. It was a thing for、cost. like a couple of years ago when like paleo and carnivore was really starting to get big. And like I was like, yeah, cricket protein. Now I see nothing about it.、So. It kind of makes sense. I mean, it's economical, right? So there's, there's that. I mean, so yeah, so I think that's a good, good enough.、Um, take that, guys, and run with it.、Um, we said a lot. I would say get yourself some collagen, get yourself some whey isolate、uh, as a starting point. If you're vegan, go get that vegan protein.、Mm-hmm. Start making your, mixing yourself at least two shakes a day. Mm-hmm. I'm getting creative with how you can add protein yeah, you to add every to, like, single meal. Yeah, like you'll add、uh, protein to yogurt and then we'll dip apples in it. Yeah, like you can do that with vegan protein powder too. Like if you're using a coconut yogurt, and coconut yogurt is mostly fat. Um, which is again not bad. It's like it's a great fat source, and especially if it's not coupled with too much you know, gut sugar. Because of the fermentation. Some of them do, some of them are fermented, some of them are just like a thick version of like simulating yogurt. So make sure that you're getting something that actually has,、um, you know, bacteria in it,、mm-hmm. first of all. So that's where the sugar should come from, not added sugars. And if it's obviously going to be low in protein because it's a coconut. Um, yogurt and a vegan yogurt, then add your protein powder to it.、Right. Yes, it might change the texture, but get creative. You can still add a little bit of almond milk to that to to soften it up again and make it a creamier texture.、Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just really think outside of the box of how you're going to start adding more protein to every single meal because it's really, really going to impact you. Now, lastly, I will say that. If you are having, you know, in the beginning when you do implement eating more protein, your body is going to be like, oh, I'm not used to digesting this much protein. And maybe you get a little constipated, or maybe you're feeling that it, you know, because it takes longer to digest, that you're feeling a little bit like, oh, okay, it's like stuck in my stomach.、Um, Digestive enzymes can be incredibly helpful no matter if you are, you know, just trying to enhance your digestive system in general, or if you're noticing while you're changing your diet that you need a little bit of help getting, you know, into the new into the new routine.、Um, I use a brand called Bioptimizers and I absolutely love them. Honestly, I don't talk about products unless I actually use them and love them. And、uh, I've been using their entire digestive line, which it consists of mass zymes. P3OM and the HCL. And honestly, it took me a couple of weeks to you know, adapt to, I think, the level of probiotics because I wasn't taking those before. And there are some things that you know, your body shifts, as it's, especially when it comes to taking new bacteria that's good bacteria, but also fighting off the bad, that we need an adjustment period. So after now, about taking it for about six weeks, I feel really, really good off of them. And I highly recommend at least trying the, the mass zymes first. Uh, take a look over on their website. It's by、they're、Canadian too. Yeah, Canadian guys.、Um, one of them was a natural bodybuilder. Which means they're smart. 
Yeah. And honest. <laughs> They're smart and really nice people. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he was a he was a Canadian natural bodybuilder, and the other guy is a kinesiologist, and they created these supplements for the last fifteen years. Um, lots of information on their website. Absolutely love it. Buyoptimizers.com. And if you're getting anything on their website, use the code Coach Andy for ten percent off. Nice. Good. I think that's a good closing point. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Um, we wish you all the best on your 45-day challenge as you guys round out week one. We are in April of 2021 recording this podcast. So good luck on your 45-day challenge. Good luck on your future challenge. Of course, this is a resource you can use over and over again. And good luck on your recomposition, whether you're an F45 member or not. Do me a favor, one gram of protein per pound of body weight. And, and if you like it. this, um, please rate, give us a good rating, five stars on Spotify and iTunes. We'd greatly appreciate it. And uh, shout out to all our F45ers all over the world that are listening in. And reach out, message us anytime. If you have questions, if you want something um, for us to cover, we would love to hear from you. All right, guys. Have a great weekend, great evening, great morning, great day. Absolutely crush it. And bye for now.